0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with
1: Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined by Chris Flum, and this is the Chris and Nick show. And today we will be going over Cordell Flott, the Giants' second, third round pick out of LSU. Chris, how are you doing today, bro?
2: You know, I'm doing well. Seem to be doing well every day.
1: <laughs> Chris, very happy guy, apparently. So let's <laughs> get into Cordell Flott. I felt like this was another one of those picks on day two of the draft where a lot of Giant fans were like, is this a good pick? Like, how should we feel? A lot of people had him as a day three pick, maybe not late day three, but somewhere maybe in round five. And according to that, chart that i think the athletic posted in terms of the quote-unquote biggest reaches in the draft relative to all of the draft pundits draft boards i think there were like 82 consensus boards flot was the second biggest reach behind the running back drafted out of lsu ironically enough by the san francisco 49ers but after going through flots film i can see what joe shane brian dable and Don Wink-Martindale were thinking and selecting this kid who definitely plays with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, I think yeah, that is kind of the biggest thing that stands out with Flott is
2: just how aggressive he is as a player. And that that definitely does fit in with Wink-Martindale and his, his philosophy behind defensive football. He is a an exceedingly aggressive defensive coordinator he loves to get after offenses and do do everything he can to dictate the terms of the game to the offense and that is at least the kind of player flot tries to be like he is sometimes not able to uh Dictate the terms of the game to the offensive player, maybe as well as he would like, which I think is something we kind of have to get into. But when it comes to just being aggressive, playing with a chip on his shoulder, uh, being a supremely confident, chirpy player, he's got that in spades.
1: I still scratch my head a little bit with maybe it possibly being a little early, but I'm not in these draft rooms. I don't know how other players or other general managers around the NFL value these players, but I can speak to what they do on the football field. Now, I felt like Flott was very fluid. If you look at his measurables, I was surprised by one thing, Chris, and it was his arm length. It was only 30 and 1 8 inch, which is around the 10th to 12th percentile in the NFL. He looks A lot longer when you're watching his film. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah. Yes, definitely. And I think part a lot of that is his build. He is relatively tall for a corner. Like he's not Tariq Woolen or Sauce Gardner tall. You know, Scarecrow tall. But he's still six feet and I believe six foot and one half inch tall, which is that is tall for a corner, particularly a guy who's likely going to be a slot corner, and he. The other side of that is that he is very slightly built. He is only 175 pounds. And for a guy who is over six feet tall, that is, or I should say a football player over six feet tall, that is a very slender build. And I think the two of those together, his height, but not having a whole lot of thickness, not having a very, a very thick frame
1: makes him look longer than he is. It might be that. And I also found it just from a philosophical standpoint, looking at Joe Shane. And I've mentioned this in previous appearances, I think in Twitter spaces and things like that. Joe Shane just said, I don't care about measurables. I'm going to select Wandell Robinson in the second round. I'm going to select Cordell Flott, who is second percentile in terms of weight in the third round. Those day two picks, a lot of those guys were outliers and there are plenty risk-averse general managers who would not make those selections, where those players would be off of the draft board even, which is a little bit ludicrous because that's one reason why a player like Russell Wilson, who had success at two different college programs, falls to the third round because he doesn't meet a certain height threshold. So in one sense, I do appreciate it. In another, it's risky, and if it doesn't pan out, you open yourself up to a ton of criticism.
2: Yeah, that, that's the thing that Mark Schofield's talked about quite a bit is where there is value to be found in going outside of outside of the norm, going outside of these thresholds that teams set up, because there are good football players who are not built like the positional archetype. You know, like I, I think Russell Wilson might be the. Might be the poster boy for that right now, where, yeah, he's 5'11", but dude can play, and it do- his height does not matter one little bit. Uh, Steve Smith Sr., previously, you know one of the best receivers of his generation, and he was definitely not built like Terrell Owens or you know, Calvin Johnson or Chad Johnson or, or Plexigl Burrs, or any of these other big X receiver, you know, prototypical X receivers. And it did not matter because Steve Smith was just that good. The flip side of that is if these guys who are not in that kind of normal range, who don't pass these classic thresholds that teams set for a position, then the general manager kind of loses an argument for keeping his job because then it it falls on him where he went outside of the norm and went out on a limb for a guy. So I, I think Joe Shane does have at least right now quite a bit of security in his job, like where he feels comfortable going outside of the norm, but he is going to need these guys to pan out and for them to hit.
1: Yeah. And another thing about, That is, I would say, something that factors into the decision of making him a day two selection is the fact that he's only 20 years old. So there's a lot of development. He recently spoke to the Giants media, I think, last week, since when you're hearing this. And he said he wants to add five to 10 pounds and that would put him at about 185 pounds. And you're talking about someone with the movement skills that he possesses because he's a pretty fluid guy, which we'll get into in a little bit at 185 pounds in the slot at almost 6'1" plays longer than he is in terms of his arm length, then you're looking at somebody who can possibly even match up against certain tight ends. If he's a little bit beefier and he can show that he is stronger than maybe he appears with a lean frame that he currently has. Yeah. And, and we'll see if he's able to
2: do, to do that. He is very young and yeah, you know, he still has growing and filling out to do. Uh, I do wonder if he would be able, just based on his frame, just his shoulder width, hip width, uh, joint size, all of these things that really determine how much muscle you are able to carry on your frame and be able to carry without compromising your athleticism. And that is what I wonder is, yeah, Flot isn't a very, he isn't a particularly fast corner. He ran a four or five, two. That's fine. Yeah, he had a great short shuttle he's got very loose hips he's got quick feet is he going to be able to maintain that with another 10 pounds on his frame and you know even being as young as he is in a in an nfl weight program that's not going to be added that quickly but still if you add too much weight too quickly you can open yourself up to injury you can you can put yourself in a position where you just aren't able to move the way you used to. And right now that the fluidity and the quickness he has really are what make him a viable slot corner.
1: That and I would say his ability to throw his weight around and run support. Now, it's not a lot of weight. (laughs) <laughs> but he isn't scared at all, Chris. Like this dude wants to come downhill and he wants to stick to you. He doesn't have a lot of pop on contact. He's not his, his play strength right now. I would say in terms of being an NFL cornerback is marginal. It's, it's not great, but that can improve with age with a little bit more weight added to his frame but the will to come downhill and stick somebody is a hundred percent there that and as we said earlier he is just an insane competitor definitely first team all chirp (laughs) and and that definitely counts for a lot really because how many
2: how many defensive backs yeah cornerbacks and safeties have we seen who have prototypical frames they these are just big solid dudes who have you know 30, 40 pounds on flat but are t- absolutely terrible tacklers who, guys who they make the occasional business decision they see a tight end running at them or a running back running behind his pads and they'll go for the shoulder check or you know the old uh, bullfighter tackle and it, the ball carrier just kind of disregards it and keeps going yeah being willing to throw yourself into a tackle it it can get you hurt but it will it will also at least put you in position where you can maybe get a guy's legs out from underneath him if you have good aim you know you get his hips wrap up dr- even if it's a drag down tackle and you're not blowing him up that's fine i don't need to see a highlight reel of massive hits if you're not giving up the leaky yardage from bad tackles
1: Yeah, and he's also somebody who I felt like did such a good job exploiting bad throws from quarterbacks. Now, I know that sounds weird because in the NFL, you're not going to get a lot of bad throws. But if you look at some of his big plays, Like the play against Florida, for instance, it was a third and seven. The throw was slightly behind on a horizontal cross, which is a tough route to cover. He was over the number three receiver in outside leverage, influencing the guy inside. And he was able to work back through the catch point and get that inside, or actually it was an outside hand, I believe, into the catch point to pop the ball up in the air, which was eventually intercepted. Now, if that throw was perfect, I don't know if the receiver catches it because flat is pretty close on the receiver's hip pocket the fact that he was able to get his his hand where the football was going to go to force that PBU speaks to, I would say, his ability to play through the catch point, which was something else that kind of jumped out on film with me. Something I didn't love about Flot was his inability to really come away with interceptions. He only had one interception in his entire career, which is a little bit problematic to me, but he did play physically through the catch point, and I did appreciate that. Yeah, not coming up with the
2: ball production is a problem, and that's kind of a problem across the Giants secondary right now at, at least the cornerback position you know last year Dory Jackson only had one interception uh Aaron Robinson was he was not a ball hawk in college i think he only had one or two interceptions and it's just off the top of my head he had a lot more pass deflections which could be opportunities for other players you know maybe uh Julian Lover Xavier McKinney could, could come up with the interceptions <laughs>
0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: That sort of play is really about having your teammates in the right place at the right time. And, you know, it's almost like a hole out in golf where yes, there's a lot of skill involved, but there's also a fair amount of luck in the ball bouncing the right way. Yeah. Having three corners guys who could be your top three corners with james bradbury no longer on the roster and none of them having great ball production getting interception interceptions is one of the best ways to derail an offense in the nfl because offenses are just too good at moving the ball like a sack isn't a drive killer anymore maybe 10 years ago if you got a sack that that drive was probably going to end in a punt maybe a a field goal attempt but Teams are just too good at moving the ball downfield nowadays. Getting takeaways is the best way to stop an offense. And yeah, Flot not having great hands for takeaways is kind of a is kind of a problem. Although maybe as he develops as he matures, maybe being put into Wink Martindale's system that will improve.
1: I mean, the dude has like first percentile hands, too. Yes. and That's not a huge deal for a cornerback, but it is in terms of catching the football. He has, I think, eight-inch hands, which is pretty damn small. But speaking on flot, some of the things that I think Joe Shane saw in him, other than his coverage skills, his confidence, his willingness to come up and run support and make very impressive tackles despite his lack of girth, I think is his overall ability to play inside and outside he played 357 times in 2021 as the nickel slot defender and he also aligned 178 times as the boundary cornerback according to pro football focus also took some snaps at free safety some of those were as the apex defender then post snap he dropped to the deep middle or dropped to a deep half which i do believe is something that will be used by wink martindale aligned in the box That might not happen that much in the NFL, but it happened at LSU. But the main one is 41% of his snaps were man coverage snaps. And that was from all of those positions. And that is very important for Wink Martindale's scheme and also very high because as you know, Chris, not a lot of teams, even at the college level run 60% man coverage. LSU is one of those programs who runs more man coverage than a lot of those other big programs around the college football landscape. Yeah. And having
2: players who can run man coverage is incredibly important from Wink martindale like he loves himself to man coverage and as much man coverage as he ran last year he ran even more the year before that when his secondary was healthy and that really is kind of the basis for his defensive scheme where you use man coverage to a free up blitzers so you can scheme up pressures against the quarterback but then also you know disrupt route timings uh have smaller passing when receiving windows, try to keep the ball in the quarterback's hands longer to give your pass rushers as much time as possible to get to the quarterback and that real hyper-aggressive defensive philosophy that does work very well with Cordell Flott. We mentioned before about how at least compared to the consensus board Flot was a pretty big reach. He was drafted eighty first overall, and I believe he he was ranked something like two hundred and fifth on the consensus board. Part of that, I think, why the Giants moved on Flot is part of their uh, contingency plans. I think was the uh, the phrase Joe Shane used with regards to James Bradbury, and they. I think the Giants felt they needed to get. A new slot corner because they wanted to move Aaron Robinson out from the slot to the boundary to take Bradbury's place. And I think that is where Flot kind of fits into this whole jigsaw puzzle on the defensive side of the ball.
1: Being the boundary cornerback. Now, I'm not confident that he could probably do that in year one, at least not by week one, but I've been proven wrong plenty of times. Oh, and- no, I meant Aaron Robinson, not Flot. <laughs> oh okay yeah no aaron robinson is is a boundary cornerback in my opinion i'm looking forward to that too i i think we he showed enough in his rookie season in terms of being a man coverage cornerback and a much less man heavy scheme under patrick ram that i'm excited to see how he can handle that year too doesn't mean it's going to be a success but i still am excited to see exactly how that transition or how that transition really works out for him and i I really do like his skill set but with cordell flott I also saw some zone things I liked about him in terms of not being cleared out of his zone because a lot of offenses, they run clear-out routes to the, I guess you could say, quote-unquote play side or the strength, and they bring like a weak side receiver from the backside on a crosser, on a slant, on something depending on the offensive formation and then they they basically clear one guy out in zone coverage because he carries the number two or the number one vertical and then that area is now wide open I felt like Flot was very disciplined staying put and reading routes from the backside that entered his zone and then reacting to the quarterback and then even playing like I said physically through the catch point or making a tackle and uh, doing well to not be cleared out in those situations just showing zone instincts and awareness did you see that as well? Yeah, and it was kind of impressive for for a player as young as he was. And
2: yeah, I do actually wonder seeing him in zone if that couldn't add a potential move to safety to the uh to the Giants plans for him. Yeah, you know, just looking at him athletically, he actually compares it fairly well as an athlete at free safety to Dax Hill, Daxton Hill out of uh Michigan this year on as far mock draftable on their on their spider chart his closest comparison at safety is Nat Berhe former giant so I, I do wonder with the way Flot plays the, the aggressiveness the chippiness the willingness to hit and his awareness in-zone coverage, his awareness and discipline in-zone coverage. If he couldn't be a, at least, part-time safety, or if the Giants might not be looking at him playing slot and then playing as a slot defender and then dropping into a safety position, maybe a robber-type position, after the snap.
1: I think that's something we can see. But I think in order to be a full time safety, and I'm sure you would agree, he needs to add weight because you need to be able to fill the alley, you need to be able to stick people, and that's something yes, that yeah. Cordell Flott, coming from depth against running backs who are 220 pounds, I'm not really <laughs> too optimistic that that's going to work in the NFL. Yeah, that, that could way. be a bit. That could be a bit of a bug on a windshield situation. Bug <laughs> <laughs> on. Oh, oh, I love that one. So. I wanted to kind of – because we brought up Wandell Robinson and Cordell Flott back in the Wandell Robinson podcast. Go listen if you guys have not down on the feet a little bit. Robinson had two catches on Cordell Flott, I believe, during that game. The one was a touchdown catch, and that doesn't look great for Cordell Flott. But if you watch that touchdown catch, Wandell Robinson is the number two wide receiver, and he runs an in route from the field side – and Flot is an outside leverage and man coverage, influencing Wondell Robinson over towards the safety. And the safety really is the one who just doesn't play the angle correctly. And Levis throws a perfect pass. Wondell Robinson makes a dive and catch, does Wondell Robinson things. And it's a touchdown. That's not really huge on Flot. That's not a huge detriment to Flot, in my opinion, because he's an outside leverage. Ideally, you want him to cover that, but that's not his necessarily main goal. He's supposed to ride the hip up until the other covering defender. And then another play that happened was Wondell Robinson ran a quick slant. It was cover one, outside leverage again. And the way Wondell Robinson kind of angles his slant, the safety has no opportunity to kind of play downhill on it. And then Flot makes a nice physical tackle after the catch. And There was also a couple plays where Wondell Robinson went streaking deep and and Cordell Flott was able to kind of keep pace with him and Wanda Robinson ends up in double coverage and he can't come down with a deep like 45 to 50-yard pass from Will Levis. But that was solid coverage as well. So as I mentioned on the previous podcast, I can't wait for the battle in training camp between these two players. And overall, I think Cordell Flott, he won some. Wanda Robinson won some. On the whole, I would say Robinson won in the end. But I think it's going to be an interesting battle, for sure.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think it will be even more interesting once the Giants actually get their quarterbacks throwing to them. Yeah, you know, the they had Brian Lewerke in rookie minicamp and uh, Joe Shane, their general manager. If your general manager is throwing passes, I'm not sure how much credence you can put into what happens on the field. Uh, just because, you know, he's a, he's the GM. <laughs> With the possible exception of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, the general manager shouldn't be relied upon to play quarterback.
1: No, not not really, to be honest. But, hey, you know, I felt like he was throwing zips out there, but we already discussed that. So, Chris, what else on Cordell flot? Do you have anything else that concerns you or anything else that you're excited to see, anything that he can prove on?
2: You know, I'm interested to see how he deals with some of the bigger slot receivers in the nfl yeah you know, there are some teams that love using guys who you look at them and you think oh this is an outside receiver this is an x receiver he's six foot three uh you know 215 220 pounds but he's lining up in the slot and while Flot has the height to keep up with those big slots. I am, I have to admit, I am a little bit concerned with his weight and really getting bullied at the catch point. Yeah. We talked before about him adding weight. That's one area where, yeah, he, it would do him a lot of good if he is able to add five, 10 pounds just to have the mass to where he can he can hold up at the catch point against bigger, thicker, stronger receivers. But he does have the attitude, the chippiness, the fight in him, that he's not gonna back down in those situations. So I wanna see how he how he deals with it, whether or not he's able to adapt and overcome. Yeah. You know, I, I don't particularly want to see him against Mike Evans in the slot, but yeah, you know, I think there there are quite a few of these big slot receivers where it could be a really good
1: battle. Yeah, and I'm hoping that he can develop and become the Giants long-term slot guy because I, I like his movement skills. I think his transitions are solid. There were times where it was a little bit awkward from off coverage, and I felt like whenever he was in trail, I felt like there were two plays that stood out to me where he was in trail coverage. He had someone over the top, and it was just awkward like his ability to handle trail. I'm sure that was just probably more of an outlier than anything that was consistent with his film, but I felt like I should probably mention it, but overall, I hope this pick pans out. It was according to a lot of people, like we said, a little bit of a reach, same with Wandell Robinson. I'm trusting that Joe Shane and Brian Dable and Wink Martindale, they have plans for these players and they can help assist them in their goal to become solid starters here in the NFL. Chris, anything else, my man,
2: you know, I, I think I am good. I'm looking forward to getting uh, digging into the fourth round picks because those two guys are interesting.
1: Yes, they are, man. I'm Daniel Bellinger, Dane Belton. I'm excited for both of those players. I think Belton and Bellinger can both have big roles this year. I think Belton's going to be a pivotal part of what Wink Martindale wants to do, especially if they don't add another veteran safety. They like to run a lot of three safety packages, and I think Belton is somebody who can handle a lot of safety responsibilities. doesn't mean that he's a perfect prospect, but we'll get into that next week. Alrighty, everybody. Thank you so much for joining the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please head on over to BigBlueView.com for all the latest Giants news. Please also leave a comment and subscribe to this podcast if you have not already. Let us know what we're doing well. Tell us we suck, but please just leave a five-star review. Thank you so much, everybody. Take care of each other and have a lovely day.
0: More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of.